Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mint. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. All right, into the 11 o'clock hour. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. As promised, to kick off hour number two, let's head to Chicago. He's David Kaplan, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. Cap joins us. Cap Trent, Ken, thank you for coming on, David Kaplan. How's things in Chicago? Uh, better. Good. We had you know, our best night on Tuesday night. Uh, peaceful protest. You know, pockets of whatever going on. People are angry. I get it. Yep, I understand. Too. And it's, you know, been something that's been bubbling under the surface for far too long, and it's got to get addressed, and we've got to figure out how this can get rectified because it's a horrific situation. Uh, and hopefully, I, I, you know me, I'm probably the most positive person you'll ever talk to. And I am choosing to believe that. This time, this will be the flashpoint for change. Couldn't agree with you more, Cap, and it's the young people that are going to lead it, and that gives me hope. So let's get into sports, and we're certainly, you know, hate to uh, hoping that we get Major League Baseball. What about the 50-game proposal? On the surface, when I saw it first, I thought, come on, that's not going to work. It's not going to be a legitimate World Series champion. Everything is different in the World Cup. This would be one of those differences when it comes to sports. Would you be on board if it's 50 games or the season is canceled? Which way would you learn, and does 50 make sense to you? No, it doesn't. I would be on board because if they, I thought Jason Stark had the best, uh, analogy: If they drive the proverbial baseball bus over the cliff, they're going to do irreparable, irreparable harm to the sport. So you're going to tell me in the middle of a global pandemic where we have seen 35 million brothers and sisters lose their job, have to go to food banks, have kids in underprivileged areas who would get their food from the school, but because of the pandemic, the schools are closed. They start to try and get them open, and then we have you know, the horrific murder of George Floyd leading to not only protests that are essentially important, but we've got you know, some looting and some rioting, so they close the food banks again, and so there are people that literally don't know where their next meal's coming from. So we've got all these horrible things going on in our world, and now we're going to say, yeah, we just couldn't figure the money out, so we're not going to play. You know me. I've told you for years. My favorite sport is baseball. I love all sports. My favorite sport, the one that courses through my veins, is baseball. And if they do this, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out because a lot of people will tell you to go screw yourself. Tom Ricketts uh, comes back yesterday and not too happy with some of the uh, comments, maybe ideas of people that they have for the ownership groups out there. There are certainly, I'm going to guess, some ownership groups that whatever money comes in, it goes right back in their pocket and continuing to build their profile. Tom Ricketts says that's not what the Cubs do. We certainly see that, but do you understand the uh, the disappointment certainly in, from Ricketts and, and what he said and some of the things that are being said about the owners? Um, look, people don't want to hear the truth. The truth is, that the Chicago Cubs 
make 70% of their revenue from their game day operations. And there are other people out there on the player side who go, not possible. There's no way that's true. But then you get the Liberty Media filing who own the Atlanta Braves and are a public company. And so independent auditors have to go through these books and they said, yeah, well, they're 12th in attendance and they're actually at 63%. And right now, maybe not five years from now, right now they have a better TV deal than the Cubs do because they're in a startup and the Cubs are fourth in attendance and have the third highest ticket price. So it's real easy to see that what Tom is saying is not incorrect. Now, Scott Boris will say to you, well, I didn't tell you to borrow all that money to buy up the rooftops and build a hotel and you renovate Wrigley to the tune of $750 million. Yeah, that is that is actually true. He didn't tell him to do that. But again, Tom and his family don't take a nickel out of the team. They don't need a salary from the Chicago Cubs. They don't. They take every dollar and they push it right back into expenses, and then the rest of it's dumped at Theo's desk. And they have the second highest payroll in 2019 in Major League Baseball. So they are spending at a level commensurate with being a big market team. Now, where the Ricketts have problems, and I don't work for them anymore, I don't have anything to do with the Chicago Cubs, but I'll be as honest as I've always been with you guys. When you hold fundraisers for the president, and I'm not telling you whether I like the guy, hate the guy, whatever. I don't talk politics. But when you do, and it's such a divisive issue, and then your brother, Pete, look, he's not on the board of directors of the Cubs anymore because he had to. He's still going to be enriched if they ever sell that team because he's a family member. He's a brother. The four siblings bought the team. And when he makes comments that incite problems, now he's trying to clean up in Omaha. And then your dad has an email thing go on. And I know Tom Ricketts. I really like the guy. I've hung out with the guy. I've broken bread with the guy. I really like him. I think he's a quality human being. I love Laura Ricketts. But then when you have Todd is the head of fundraising to reelect the president. And, again, I'm not telling you whether I like him, hate him, whatever. I don't discuss that stuff. But what I am telling you is we're in a horrible time in our country. It's exceptionally divisive, and you've got the brother working for the president to try and reelect him head of his fundraising. You got the dad with Islamophobic email scandal a year ago. You have Pete Ricketts making his cut. Just start tying it all together, and you can understand why people are so upset. Uh, David Kaplan joining us from Chicago. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. So, Cap, uh, on the surface, it sounds like uh, any plan, at least I haven't seen anything that tells me otherwise, that if baseball gets back, that they're going to combine Central Division and Central Division, and the AL East and the NL East, and likewise out West. Who would be the favorite in the combined Central Division? Might the Cubs be the betting favorite? The Cubs. The Twins rather be the betting favorite in Vegas in the combined scenario of the NL Central and the AL Central? Might the Twins be the Vegas betting choice? Uh, I would think they'd be in the discussion, certainly. But if we're playing, let's just say we're playing a 50-game season and we're going to combine the two Centrals, you're telling me the Cubs wouldn't be right there? I mean, if we took the best player at each position in that division... Anthony Rizzo, the best first baseman, he's certainly in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Paul Goldsmith is in the discussion. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Javi Baez, is, you know, maybe it's Francisco Lindor. One of the two is the best shortstop in the division. Is Chris Bryant the best third baseman in the division? He's certainly in the team photo. Is Wilson Contreras the best catcher in the division? He's certainly in the team photo. So Chicago Cubs have a really talented team. And if it's a shortened schedule, that bodes well for older pitchers like John Lester, Hugh Darvish, guys like that who, boy, by the end of August, their arms are tired Mm -hmm. in their 30s, especially Johnny, who's 36. I think uh, Darvish is 32 or 33. So the Chicago Cubs, to me, are absolutely a factor. And then you got the White Sox, this young, you know, upstart team, really talented. Maybe this isn't their year to win it. They're certainly a factor. And then you got Minnesota coming off a 100-win season. So there's some really good baseball, including the Cardinals and Cleveland. And the Reds. They haven't proven anything yet. All I can't right. put them in that same group. They haven't been over 500 in, like, forever. So they spent a bunch of money. They got a bunch of veteran players. You know, they got Pedro Strope, and they went out and spent on a few other guys. They got Mike Moustakis. I'm not convinced the Reds are for real. Cappy, I want to jump into a little basketball with you as we trend towards the Walt Disney World Disney uh, complex that the 22 teams, it sound like, are going to make it there. The proposed end of finals date, October 12th. Boy, you're getting deep into uh, into football season when that's happening Hopefully. there. Oh, good point. Hopefully, football season when we get to that point. They're also working to try to find ways to help out the top seeds since, obviously, they won't have home court advantage over all the proposals. Things you like, things that you scratch your head at. In the NFL or in the NBA? NBA. In the NBA, I liked it. Look, the Chicago Bulls don't need to play any more basketball. I agree. There's going to be a coaching change. I told you guys last fall there's going to be massive change in the front office. That happened. They are changing coaches. I'm going to make a prediction that the next coach of the Chicago Bulls is Emmy Udoka. He's the assistant with the Philadelphia 76ers. And a lot of people in the league think he think he's a really good candidate and an upstart and a guy who has you know ties obviously to Mark Eversley, who worked in Philly before he just came here. So I'm going to make that prediction that he's the next coach. I keep hearing Adrian Griffin. Just for some reason, that's too easy. It's just. So obvious that I think they're going to throw a curveball and go this other way. In terms of the proposal, anything that gets the guys back on the court, I'm happy about. It's time to get some basketball back if we can do it safely. And I like the proposal to go to Orlando. I like the opportunity to have playoff-style basketball all in one bubble where everybody's safe from the pandemic. I'm not, you know, thrilled that they're going to try and figure out how do we give a home court advantage to the Mm -hmm. Lakers when they're the one seed against the eight seed or whatever it is. That's hokey to me. Just put the guys out on the court. It's going to be different anyway. Play the games and may the best team win. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cap, uh, Tom Thibodeau, he was at least rumored to be maybe headed to the Knicks. No chance that there's a a sighting in Chicago with the Bulls. Is Is there any chance that gets put back together with Tibbs? Zero. I, and I would hire him. I love him. He's a dear friend, full disclosure. Talked to him the other day and said, I'd love to have you come back here. And he just chuckled. He'd come back here in a second. He loves Chicago. And he thought about making this 
his home in the offseason. Right now he's in his place in Connecticut. But, again, I just don't see a scenario. The way it ended, they're just they're going to get a new voice, just fresh, mm-hmm. different. And I love Tibbs. If I bought a team, I'd hire him tonight. He's a basketball lifer. If that's his life. His mistress is a basketball clinic. Right. That's just who he is. He's not a guy that runs the streets, that drinks. and He's a single guy, and his life is 24-7. How can I make my team better? Hmm. Sometimes that's great on people who have other things going on in their life. Like, I'm a basketball guy. I worked in the league. I coached. If he offered me a job to be his assistant, I'd say, thank you very much, but no thank you. I have no interest at 59 years old to be living in the office till 2 o'clock in the morning, fall asleep on the couch for a few hours. I did all that when I was in my 20s and early 30s. Yeah, that was great. And then now I've got a different life, so he has to have the right mix and the right team and all of that and then the right management that understands him his agent. Leon Rose is now running the Knicks, so he understands Tom. I think Tom's a, a sensational basketball voice, but there's no chance he's coming here. One more quick one from both of us. We'll let you do your show. NFL sounds says now no, 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 nothing at the end of June. First time the players will be allowed back is for training camp. There's no uh, teams getting together to joint practices. That's out the window. What kind of football are we going to see in week one, Cap? Um, I still think you'll see pretty good football because these guys take care of themselves. They're in great shape. This isn't, you know, 30 years ago where you worked at a car dealership in the winter or tried to make money just enough to put in the bank account so you started getting paid as a player again. Guys make real money. Like Dan Hampton told me the other day, when he signed as the fourth overall pick in the 79 draft, his contract, three-year deal, 50, 60, and $70,000. That's what he made, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, and he said, I went to the training camp. He said, the second day, Buddy Ryan will not ever have recognized rookies by their name. You had to earn him calling you by your name. So he'd just call him 99. And he said he called him over second day of camp, and Hamp had a motor. Like, this guy played hard all the time. And he said, Buddy called him over and said, son, I'm sorry. It's just not going to work out. We're probably going to cut your ass here in about three weeks enjoy camp play hard but i don't think you're cut out for the nfl he said i literally went home and cried and said to my wife i'm gonna get cut he goes you know how ridiculous that was that i believed it 40 (laughs) our fourth pick overall he said i'm making 50 60 70 grand a few incentives and i thought i was going to have to go home and get a job and had no idea what i was going to do so my point is the guys now this is 24-7, nutrition and training and everything. They'll be ready to play. Cap, we'll finish up with some Fantasyland OTAs would be going on. They're virtual this week through Zoom for the Chicago Bears. If you, there were OTAs going on this week, what would be the biggest thing you'd be looking at for Chicago? Uh, watching the, and I love the brethren I have in the Chicago media, but watching them try and cover Ooh, Mitchell Trubisky just threw a seven-yard pass. <laughs> the guy. Oh, Nick Foles just overthrew a receiver with nobody covering him. Yeah, I mean, I, look. I, tell me when we start like playing real games and scrimmages, and are they able to read the defense? Are they able to run the offense? Great. I don't need to hear, you know, the sound of K 
keyboards clicking as 700 <clears throat> Chicago media people tweet, Trubisky just completed an 11-yard out. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay, I really don't care. Hmm. Cap, great stuff. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and just know I love going out. Thanks, buddy. Take, uh, take care. Good to talk to you. David Kaplan joining us. Centurion Stone of Iowa uh, presents Cappy. The showrooms are closed uh, at uh, Centurion Stone, but you can make an appointment. They gladly open the doors for you, but it's appointment only. CenturionStoneofIowa.com. Check out the website. You can see all the natural stone, the uh, brick stone veneer. Uh, there's over 200 color and pattern combinations if you have a need for upgrading your exterior or your interior projects centurion stone of iowa the showroom is located at 5525 northeast 22nd street uh, in des moines but again appointment only make that appointment so you can find all that information on the front page the landing page of centurion stone of iowa Dot com. All right, Trent, let's uh, do a, uh, spend a couple more minutes on uh, the betting angle to what we discussed with, with Cappy. Sure. The Cubs are a brand. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And you have to factor that in when the odds makers, the bookmakers, are setting those lines. Um, I'm not so sure that the Cubs would be favored. I think the Twins, who won 100 games, St. Louis won a bunch of games mm-hmm. last year. I think the Reds are a pain in the you-know-what. I think Cleveland's window is closed. I don't think the White Sox are ready for prime time. I know the Royals aren't, or the Tigers. You're the odds maker. Yeah. You You want to go to the Condon Casino? Play Chris Andrews in the Condon Casino. (laughs) All right. Who's the favorite in the Central? Um, As we were talking about this, I did a little backup, a paper odds making here. Mm -hmm. Now, the two easiest ones, and really three easiest ones, or the Royals, Pirates, Tigers. To eliminate, you mean? Yeah. Is put the put them down priced? Yeah. 50 to 1, right. you know, whatever it is. Yep. Put them way down there. Mm-hmm. So we got seven teams left. Of that group of seven, I put the White Sox at the bottom. I think there would be okay. the seventh choice out of this group of 10 teams we're talking about Not together. Not ready for prime time for you? Not yet. Okay. Kind of that middle tier teams, five and six that I had. I put the same odds for the Reds and the Brewers. You know, four to Reds in there. I did, yeah. About four to one. Like Cappy said, still something to prove. Mm -hmm. I looked at some of the division odds that were out before everything got shut down. That's kind of where they were in the division. Them and the Brewers about had the same number. So put that right in that four to one, maybe plus 375 range, something like that. And that's where it got the most difficult then. The fourth spot. I ended up going with the Indians, and it was one part that you said. It was the Cubs are a national team. Mm -hmm. In this division, I still think I might like the Indians a touch more, okay. as long as they're not making moves. But because of that, I put the Indians at plus 350, the Cubs at plus 325. Two teams left. Cardinals and Twins. Cardinals and Twins. Cardinals, I put plus 275, and I put the Twins as the betting favorite at plus 250. Offense, we saw it last year. Yeah. All-time record in home runs. Yep. That's going to be there. Another component for the Twins. Josh Donaldson. <laughs> Donaldson being with that team, I'm just just absolutely a huge, huge step Trent, forward. He is a no doubt about it, legitimate team leader. Mm-hmm. And even though it's year number one for him, this is the type of player he is. Mitch Garver, a catcher. Miguel mm-hmm. Sanoa, first base. Arias, who was a star in yes. his rookie year. Donaldson, yep. a third. And Jorge Polanco just started at the American League at shortstop last year. He's your shortstop, plus the depth of the outfield, Byron Buxton. But you couple that with. Some questions that remain with this team, at least as it pertains to the rotation. Well, remember some of the big moves that they made in the offseason, including going out and picking up 
Homer Bailey, eh, mm-hmm. okay. But Rich Hill, who's... But Rich Hill. They said, well, he'll be ready maybe July. Right. They're going to be playing yes. maybe in July. No, it's a great point. That's a big, big it step is. forward, and I think that's the one that pushed it over for me over the Cardinals and making the Twins the favorite. Yeah, it's tough. I'm, I'm with you. I think I, I might switch the Cardinals around just because of the name brand Cubs and, and Caps right. They still got all that star power and those veteran arms like a Lester and a Darvish. Um, they won't have the wear and tear of the first three months of the season. I would put the Twins the favorite. All right, let, let's real quick. Let's do the other two. The East to look. The, the West is easy, right? It's the mm-hmm. Dodgers and then the Astros. Yes, yeah. I'm, I, okay. I, I think that's the way that you have to do it. But the East is tricky. I mean, the Yankees are the brand, mm-hmm. right? But don't sleep on the Braves. And then there's the defending World Series champion for crying out loud. Right. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be worth a damn. I mean, if, if we didn't have this scenario, I think the Yankees would run away. And had we not had COVID, I think by you know maybe. The All-Star break, the Yanks would have been home free in that division. I'm looking right now offshore at a division odd that is out there for MLB with the normal divisions. Yeah, The Yankees in the American League East are minus 425 crazy. to win their division. Right behind them, of course, Boston. But even Boston win the division at that site is 14-1. to Tampa's a better choice yes, at 7-2. So uh, because of that, I think they'd still be overwhelming. Probably minus money. You would say for the Yankees, yep, probably so. Minus one fifty, yep. three to two, something like that. Second choice is who? Braves. I think so. I put you. the Braves in that two spot. Boy, the young talent that they have, mm. and and the way that they have been able to rebuild. I think they'd be my second choice. But the Nationals, boy, they're they're going to be a difficult team to I think handicap that nineteen and thirty three start that they had. How they caught on fire. Yeesh. You still got the top end though. You still have, of course, Scherzer. Yep, Strasburg. That, that one-two punch yep. in a shortened season, boy, that's going to go a really long way. going to be fun as long as we get it. Figure it out. Absolutely. I believe they will. Fingers crossed. Uh, we're going to talk to Cody Goodwin next from the uh, Des Moines Register, do some high school stuff. He was covering the uh, protest last night uh, downtown Des Moines. I'm sure a question or two will come up with that. We take you until noon. Miller and Condon, glad you're with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.5. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Step one, you say we need to talk. He walks, you say sit down. Is this from Grey's Anatomy? This <laughs> it is. You hear this a ton from the bedroom at night. Oh, yeah. Your your wife still's watching those reruns. Oh, she watches Anatomy. them over and over and over. Just a constant loop. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, maybe I should have watched the show for forming an opinion. But My wife pulled me in years ago. Did she, So you like it? I watch it. All right. You watch it. Uh, Cody Goodwin uh, covers high school sports for the Des Moines Register. Of course, the wrestling guy as well. And he joins us. Cody, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on, Cody Goodwin. How are you? I'm I'm doing great now that I started out, or I guess ended my morning with the fray. So that was that was a delightful surprise. Look at that pull! He's yeah, he's got the band for I wouldn't have got that one. I got the TV show that is part of, but I wouldn't have got the band. Anyways, Cody, good to speak with you. So listen, uh, you guys at the Register, and hats off to the uh, to the paper for the coverage uh, that you've been providing through these, uh, not the, the as well as the COVID, and you guys forced uh, in the sports department. I know Emirates up in the Twin Cities, and Hines was out last night, and you were out last night and randy peterson and birchie are doing stories normally off uh 
that we would consider maybe a little bit over the tips of their skis, but it just goes to prove to us uh, what uh, journalists uh, you guys are. Um, how different has it been, Cody? I mean, not having the sports to write about, although you're about to get busy again with high school, but have you enjoyed kind of the branching out, if you will, away from the sports realm? Um, it's been It's been different. Um, that's kind of the word I keep coming back to because, you know, this is kind of what I trained to do, right? This is what I went to school for was to write about sports and, and cover sports. And, um, you know, I think more than anything, I've been able to kind of take a step back and realize that, you know, I, one, we're, I mean, we're all kind of blessed a little bit to, you know, write and talk about sports for a living. I mean, we're literally covering True. games while people across the newsroom are, are covering actual real news. And so, um, you know, I got called on to assist with coverage of the protests yesterday downtown. And, um, you know, just kind of it was kind of a reminder, you know, hey, like I don't normally do these things. And that's that's some real life stuff that we've got to cover. And, and every now and again, you know, sports writers and, um, you know, sports broadcasters, we come across a story that's probably more real life than sports. Um, but it's just, you know, it's kind of a reminder of, you know, how good we have it when everything is normal. Um you know, that's. I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from last night. So you're walking around. You're going around the city. For the most part, it was uh, nothing violent broke out, anything like that. But put on your reporter cap for us, and you're going around. What are you looking for? Are you looking for a specific story? Or are you just looking to be there in case something happens? What happens as you're making your way around, what, till past midnight last night, just walking around with the group? Yeah, I kind of I kind of walked in blind a little bit. I wasn't exactly sure what I was looking for. Um, you know, event coverage is nothing new to sports writers, right? I mean, we go, we cover games, we cover tournaments, we, um, you know, we cover press conferences, and and those are kind of you know tailored toward things we're looking for. You know, the result of a game, the outcome of big plays. Uh, you know, for wrestling, it's matches and specific matches to watch, and and how they impact matches moving forward, right? Uh, with this one, I just I kind of just walked in blind and was just like, you know, let's let's see what we can find that that's interesting. And um, you know, one thing I know a lot of uh, wrestling fans have enjoyed for me was just pictures and videos whenever I can get them. And so that's kind of what I put my focus on last night. Uh, I found the guy running the megaphone during the initial march. They marched from a sculpture park up to Terrace Hill and back. Um, that was the plan. Uh, March at least. And, you know, I found the guy on the megaphone. And so I just, I did a little quick, you know, minute interview, just kind of asking him how he felt about, you know, the protest last night and, and watching Des Moines kind of rally around it over the weekend. And as you know, I think they've got a few more planned later this week. And, um, you know, so I, ju- I just tried to bring something maybe a little unique to the table, but also just kind of keep people up to date, up to date about what was happening. I mean, that was, that was kind of my goal. And, you know, I kind of kept my head on a swivel trying to keep track of everything. Cause there was maybe a thousand people there initially. And, as the night wore on, people started to peel off here and there as they were marching around the city. But, um, you know, and then I tried to, you know, I, it was mostly peaceful last night. I, I say mostly. I mean, it was basically peaceful from start to finish. And so, you know, I tried to keep things a little light. You know, I think it was probably closer to 10, 30, 11 o'clock. I was like, hey, like the protesters just hit 12,000 steps, you know. Hmm. Um, you know, that's just kind of how much they were walking. So, you know, I, I kind of went in blind and, um, you know, just tried to, you know, cover it as best I could to give people a feel of what was happening for the most part. 
Uh, I've enjoyed the coverage, all of you guys over at the Register, uh, keeping us informed. Uh, let's so let's get to sports, and you will be back on the high school baseball softball beat coming up here. Uh, Rob Luther, our friend from uh, Baxter Bolt, uh, the head football coach there, he put out a tweet yesterday. It's, he's right. I mean, watching twenty five kids and coaches follow baseball protocol, and then to see those kids later on hanging out in a large group later on that night, as he said, it's kind of hard to wrap his head around this. Um, that that's the that's the big unknown right i mean we watched roosevelt practice yesterday they're all wearing masks on the field face coverings on the field yet when they get off the field they're 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 high school kids they're going to want to hang out with their with their buddies um two different scenarios going on there cody yeah it's it was kind of unique to watch it because you know as the night close you know came to an end last night it was it was really a lot of you know high school age kids maybe kids who were just fresh out of high school i mean we were talking with protesters and a lot of them were we're younger adults or just, you know, younger kids for the most part. And, um, yeah, and then, you you know, kind of juxtapose that with the first, you know, week of baseball and softball practice. And I know this is more a DMPS thing than anything else, but, um, you know, Des Moines Public Schools are, are requiring players, coaches, ADs, anybody who's anywhere near practice to wear a mask. That's just kind of what they want to do in order to um, heighten the safety precautions surrounding the virus. Other schools aren't requiring that, um, but I know that, you know, part of the guidelines of, of the return to practice is to make sure that everybody's doing their best to keep social distancing, to sanitize when possible, to just make sure that they take all the precautions necessary. Um, you know, and that's from the Iowa department of public health, Iowa department of education. Um, so it, it was a little interesting to kind of see both sides of that the first two days of the week. Um, but I mean, Hey, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, you know, probably, I, you know, I listened to Rob Luther earlier this week when he was talking with you guys and, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ADs and a lot of coaches and especially a lot of athletes that share his excitement for the fact that, you know, hey, like we, we kind of see a light here at the end of the tunnel that sports could very well be on their way back in full, not just baseball and softball here. Um, but that all kind of depends on how this summer goes. It's a little bit of an experiment, which I'm sure you guys know and have talked about. Yeah, it certainly is, Cody. And that's a huge piece of this and looking towards the fall and when we get back and, and hopefully back to school for the kids coming up this uh, upcoming school year. This is a test case. They're going to go out there. They're going to find things that they did right. They're going to find things that they did wrong. But the importance, Cody, we talk about college football and the financial aspects, but that's true at the high school level, too, for all these communities, big and small. High school football still helps pay a lot of bills inside those athletic departments here. This is a test run going through here. It feels like that they are ready. Do you have any concerns as you get ready to go out there? And I'm going to guess cover a little more high school and baseball and softball than you have past summers. Yeah, you know, I think maybe my biggest concern, and this is, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a, you know, I'm I'm taking down the curtain here a little bit to kind of reveal what stories I might be working on. But, you know, I'm I'm thinking of, you know, the older coaches and the older umpires. Oh, yeah. you know, guys who guys and gals who might be immunocompromised. Um, you know, we sent we sent emails out to all the ads and all the coaches. You know, hey, like, you know, are, are there athletes that may not come out this year for whatever reason? Have they explained why they might not? Um, you know, I know that there's been a handful of um, you know junior varsity coaches who have stepped down or who have chosen not to coach this year because you know of their own health issues or because they just feel like it's the best um, decision for them in terms of safety. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, you know, I, and at the same time, you know, I think everybody's fully aware that, um, you know, there's every eye in the country is going to be on Iowa over the next couple of months to see how this all plays out because, you know, I mean, it's not just false sports for Iowa, it's false sports for 
Texas, for Missouri, for New York, for California. I mean, if, you know, if, if things go really well, we could see a lot of high school sports come back in full. And I know football is obviously the big driver, but it's also probably the next intriguing step because, um, you know, baseball is probably considered a low-contact sport outside of maybe a play at the plate or a play at one of the bases. Um, not a lot of contact going on. There's a fair amount of social distancing going on on the diamond and in the field. Uh, but football, obviously, you've got linemen ramming into each other on every play. Guys have to make tackles. Um, you know, for some of these bigger schools, there's 40, 50 kids standing on the sidelines waiting for their number to get called. Um, that, that's probably the next step. You know, hey, how do we ensure safety when all of, the, you know, when these kids are used to operating a certain way? You know, and I know kids are, you know, there's a certain age demographic, 18 and younger is what we're dealing with here. They're significantly less affected by, the, by COVID-19, but, um, you know, they're going to go back home to their families. Mm-hmm. Um, schools are going to intertwine and go into different communities. Um, you know, I, it, this, there's, there's a lot of different angles that we could, you know, look at here, not just with baseball and softball, but, you know, also looking down the line with football and eventually wrestling, which is obviously a high-contact sport. Um, that's a few months down the line before we maybe start that conversation. But, you know, these are kind of all the things that are rolling around in my head. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I, I'm just kind of intrigued to see what happens because then we can move forward and continue this conversation. Cody, I couldn't agree with you more. Cody Goodwin from the uh, Des Moines Register. There's a lot of pressure on high school baseball in Iowa for those fall sports, for football, to make sure that, you know, they do everything they can to do this in as safe a, as possibly can be done. Uh, because, I mean, maybe other sports, maybe fall sports depends on what happens in baseball starting here in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. You know, and it's not just football either. I mean, volleyball, volleyball, sure. Relatively relatively socially distant sport. I I mean, that's probably similar to baseball and softball, but you know, we've all seen a cross country race, right? I mean, that's, that's herds of kids running through, you know, the 5k, um, you know, golf is probably more low, uh, contact sport or, you know, arguably no contact. Um, you know, but then there's, you know, parents are going to want to go watch their kids and that's something that we got to think about moving forward. So, I, it's going to be a grand experiment. I mean, not just for here in Iowa, but for really every other high school sport around the country. And, and maybe this could be an impact on, you know, college and pro sports moving forward if they're able to do this right. Well, uh, I'm getting ready to work on my preview as we are less than two weeks away from the baseball season. Excited for that and excited to see out there a little bit more coming up this summer. Cody, uh, before we let you go, want to go to your main gig with the Des Moines Register, and that is covering, covering wrestling. This is the time, summer, where... Guys are making their decisions on collegiate wrestling, where they're going to be. And one of the biggest events of the summer, if not the biggest, is the Fargo Nationals up in North Dakota. Canceled for this year. What can you tell us about the the event as a whole and what it's going to look like? For a lot of times, that's when some of the college recruiters get a chance to see these guys against some of the big names across the country. What's that going to mean for the collegiate level of sport going forward? Yeah, I, Fargo, you're talking the 16U and Junior National Championships, and it's, um, you know, it's the biggest, most competitive high school wrestling tournament in the country. They, they compete in the Olympic styles, which is freestyle and Greco-Roman. Um, people probably a little bit more familiar with freestyle wrestling because it's, it closely resembles folk style, which is what they do in the wintertime. And, um, you know, I mean, that's a big deal, not just for the kids to, you know, see where they stack up nationally, but I mean, you kind of hit, a, you hit, you hit it on the head as well when it comes to, um, you know, recruiting and, and getting an opportunity to go wrestle at the next level because college coaches flock to Fargo every July to watch this tournament and, um, you know, obviously for recruiting purposes and to see, you know, who's doing what and who's good. And, 
Um, you know, I, June 15th is when, uh, you know, the kids who are about to be juniors in high school, that's the first day that um, college coaches can reach out to them and kind of kickstart that recruiting process, and then they can start taking visits in August. Um, and a lot of that is kind of contingent on how they perform at the national tournament. I mean, that's kind of the first chance for a lot of these kids to get that type of exposure. Um, on top of that, the kids who are about to be seniors or even the kids that just graduated, it's kind of one of their last chances to really put their names out there and, and get on college coaches' radars to potentially land a scholarship offer or, or to start taking visits and um, you know kind of solidify their recruitment as well. And so that lack of exposure – um, it throws a lot of wrenches into that process, obviously, just for the kids, for not getting that exposure and not just getting to compete, um, you know, because that's kind of the big competition that kids prepare for all summer long. And without that, you're looking at kind of a six-month layoff until they get ready for the winter season. And, and we're still not 100% sure what that's going to look like either. And then on top of that, college coaches are really going to be tested in the way of talent evaluation because you're not going to get to see these kids compete. So you have to kind of rely on past film. You kind of have to rely on, you know, conversations with coaches about how these guys are getting better in the room when they get back in the room, um, you know, because a lot of these practice rooms are, are in high schools and, and kids don't have access to that right now. So they have to go to standalone facilities or kind of do things on their own. So um, lots of wrenches being thrown into the wrestling world right now because of the coronavirus. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to kind of see when we start um, seeing some restrictions get lifted and seeing these kids get back on the mat and what it's going to look like because, you know, like we said before, wrestling – high contact sport. So what, what is that going to look like in order to keep the kids and, and um, you know, crowd safe once we, uh, you know, close in on wrestling season? It's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. It really is. And, and final thing for you, we look back to NCAAs. They're supposed to be happening up at U.S. Bank this past year. Just what an environment that would have been in a huge building and seeing 60,000 people watching collegiate wrestling, it would have been incredible. That was taken away. Iowa's chance of finally getting a national championship for the first time in a decade. That went away, but I think the biggest one that a lot of people look at is Spencer Lee. On his way to his third consecutive national champion, on a chance and a path to become a four-time national champion, that's taken away. Coach Brands talked about that back in March, and maybe something that could be done. I've struggled to wrap my mind around it. Why? Just because he's a really good wrestler, he should be the one to get another year of eligibility. But I know there are factors there. If you can fill us in and... Do you believe there is any other chance that Spencer Lee could get an additional year of eligibility? Man, I you know we're we're into June now, and I'm still not over the fact that the NCAA championship got canceled. <laughs> man, um, that is how heartbroken I am about that. Um, I, you know, when it comes to Spencer Lee, I mean, obviously there there was a shot at history here that was taken away, um, and I think the case that Iowa wants to make, and I know that Tom Brands has said this on multiple occasions, is that you know Spencer Lee had the opportunity to take both a a normal red shirt. Um, because wrestling, like all these other sports, you get you get five years to get your four eligibility seasons in. And he also had the opportunity to take an Olympic redshirt if he wanted to, because we know that this kid had Olympic stars in his eyes. And, um, you know, after watching him run through um, a national tournament back in December, he was maybe the favorite to make the Olympic team this year, 57 kilograms, which is about 125 pounds. And, um, you know, he, he is a much better, I think, freestyle wrestler than he is folk style wrestler, which, you, I, you know, he would have been a threat to, you know, if not win the Olympics, at least win the medal. Um, obviously, all of that got put on the back burner because of the coronavirus. But, um, you know, he I mean, he had the opportunity to to step away and preserve his eligibility. And he chose not to because he knew that Iowa was in really good position to win a national team title this year, obviously, for the first time in a decade. And, you know, he chose to wrestle and he chose to, um, you know, take his third season of eligibility. You know, I mean, he could have taken either one of those red shirts, and he would still have 
you know, an opportunity to become a four-time NCAA champion, which is something only four wrestlers have ever done. Nobody from Iowa has ever done that. Um, so, you know, this march to history and just the fact that, um, you know, just the good Samaritan idea of all of this, I think that's something that Tom Brands is going to want to explore once we get out from underneath this coronavirus cloud um, to see if he can recoup that year. And, you know, I, th- you know, I think it's, it's not just a Spencer Lee thing. You know, Abe Assad did the exact same thing, the true freshman at 184. He had both of his red shirts available, um, and he chose. And you know, Tom Brands obviously chose to employ him in the lineup this year. And, and you know, he was he ended up fourth at the Big Ten Championships. Um, there's a handful of seniors. I mean, not just at Iowa, but around the country. You know, I think of the 330 NCAA qualifiers, 97 of them were seniors. Um, you know, so could it be a gateway to maybe recoup the year for those guys as well? Um, you know, some of them may not want to come back, but some of them may want to. Um, you know, so I think that they're going to take baby steps here. And one of the first things that Tom said before they, they go down that path is, you know, let's get out from underneath the coronavirus cloud first, and then they'll, they'll maybe find ways to see if they can get, you know, not just Spencer Lee, but all these other guys too, if they can get the year back, um, you know, then that's, that's something that they may want to try and tackle with everything that they've got. Um, you know, obviously for Spencer Lee, because of, um, you know, history's sake, but, um, you know, I think they, they, they have a strong case here. Um, I guess I don't know how strong, but at least it sounds pretty strong to me because, you know, because of what he gave up and what he was able to do and what he ultimately chose to do. Um, so, I mean, that'll be interesting. I think that's maybe a ways down the road because we're still underneath COVID-19, but um, that is something that I know they're going to want to explore at some point. Um, and I know that's something that Spencer really wants badly because he may not have said it publicly, but I mean, this is a guy that absolutely wanted to win four NCAA titles. And this was obviously that dream was taken from him because of something beyond his control, which he doesn't find very fair, but um, you know, life isn't always fair, it's but rarely is it that cruel, right? Indeed. Cody, great stuff. Thank you, as always. We'll uh, talk to you in the weeks ahead as uh, we get some high school baseball to talk about. Thank you, Cody Goodwin. Always uh, enjoy speaking with you. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Good to talk to you. I say it all the time. It's a good thing he went into writing about sports instead of talking about it, or one of us would be out of the gig. <laughs> He's really talented. He's really good, Trent. Yeah. I'm telling you. He's really good. Uh, we will come back, uh, wrap things up. Miller and Condon with you until just before noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And Bourbon Whiskey. All right, Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes, Wednesday edition. Murph and Andy, of course, coming up at 2. The Fanatics at 4 o'clock. Trent Vegas opens tomorrow. Officially. Officially opens tomorrow. The uh, The strip will be back open. Um, have you seen any of the precautions that some of the casinos have taken to try and keep their people, I mean, partitions at poker tables, mm-hmm. Um Sports betting. When you go up to make a bet, the guy at the next terminal, he's there's going to be clean it every glass. Yes, new dice all the time. One of the casinos, is it El Cortez uh, in downtown? Don't know that one. No, I don't know if I've ever been there or not. It might have been. Um, there might have stumbled in. Yeah, that's just what I'm saying, right? Because you've been downtown. <laughs> yes, I mean downtown's a blast. At yes, night. it is. Uh, but the chips that they've come, they've come up with some kind of coating that doesn't allow anything, any virus of any kind, to stick to it. Really? Yeah, I think it was El Cortez. But anyways, point being, uh, Vegas opens tomorrow. I was going to try and reach out to somebody in Vegas, but I think let's do it on Friday after they get a day behind them. Sure, that makes sense. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing those stories and how it's going to be and yep. what it's going to be going forward. The 
the optimism continues to permeate. Let's get some optimism on baseball next. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. What's the strip going to be like? You know what it's like walking the strip at yes. night, right? I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder. and I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, are planes going to be full heading into McCarran? Not full, but there's going to be people mm-hmm. that are going to be venturing. There's people that have that itch. There's people... Just want to do something. No, it's I'm with you. A continued conversation. And you know what else is? It's good about that moment. It's such a hospitality, employment area. I mean, so many people work at those at the at the casinos and you know housekeeping and in the casino itself and parking cars and dot dot dot. It employs a ton yes. of uh, folks from Las Vegas. And the fact that some of those people will get uh, to go back to work starting tomorrow is a good thing as well. So we'll see. Uh, like a lot of eyes are going to be on high school baseball in Iowa. A lot of eyes are going to be on uh, Sin City. Right. Yeah. What, the 15th? Is that when Prairie opens here? The 15th and racing like three or four days after that, somewhere around there. Not too bad. Yeah, it is. Um, and we'll, we should probably do something on Prairie on their precautions they're taking before good idea. the 15th as well. All right, as we mentioned, Murph and Andy, they'll be in it too. Jamie Pollard's on with them today. I'm not sure of the time, uh, but Iowa State AD Jamie Pollard joins Murph and Andy today. Fanatics will be on at 4, then the morning rush tomorrow at 6. We're Miller and Condon. Weekdays 10 to noon, 1460 and 106.3.